listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency, the PuttCast. Putt is a not-for-profit industry watchdog organization dedicated to exposing the truth about the shady, abusive practices of pharmacy benefit managers and how they affect American patients, healthcare providers, and taxpayers. On the PuttCast, we'll talk to pharmacy industry experts, influencers, and patients, always with the goal of bringing the truth, transparency, and solutions to America's prescription drug affordability crisis. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Monique Whitney. I'm the Executive Director at Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency. And today I'm joined by my co-host, PUT Vice President Lauren Young. Welcome, Lauren. Hi, I'm so glad I could join you today. I am so glad you could join us today, too. You know how, Lauren, on our show, we always talk about the factors that are affecting patient access to medication and creating pharmacy deserts? Yes, I think that's one reason why our members are really wanting to stay connected because they understand a lot of those pressure points. Yeah, well, they're only getting worse as, you know, as I know you know because you follow the news and, you know, pretty much every legislative hearing that we have going on out there. Well, today we are going to take a slightly different look at what is happening and we're going to look at it from the point of view of an independent business and why that matters to everyone and especially with the with the fabulous guests that we have. We're going to be looking at, you know, how this affects patients and consumers and small business owners. And so with that, I'm super excited to welcome our guests today, Kevin Manassian and Sarah Kalioris of DataScan Pharmacy Software. First of all, let me just say, uh, Kevin, welcome. How are you? Well, how are you? Good. Really, really good. And Sarah, did I just butcher your name? Because if I did, I'm so sorry. You actually said it perfect, and I was waiting for you to say it and cringing a little bit to see how it would come out, but you nailed it. Okay, good. (laughs) Yes, one thing, one thing today. That's great. We're really thrilled to have you guys on. Uh, Kevin, you and I, you and I met a while ago, and it was kind of a, a funny little situation because at the time, one of my previous board members had made a, a, a discovery on one of her uh, for, for the software program she was running at the time, and I was new to putt. We we ran a an opinion piece on that, and you were you know one of the people out there that took the made the effort to contact us and talk about you know independent pharmacy software providers and why were we not focusing on them? And and I remember so very well our early conversations. They're pretty much burned on my brain. I'm sure you remember that too, right? Oh, I remember it very well. I believe, actually, I, I remember. I remember pacing on the on the on the phone, frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the good old days. And you know, now, now, all these years later, uh, I'm so much smarter, and I'm so so glad that you did not give up on us, and you didn't give up on on pup members. It's really it's great to be able to come full circle and to talk about you know, what we're going to be talking about. I think this would be a really good opportunity for you and Sarah, maybe let's start with you to introduce yourself and to talk a little bit about your company, because you are a second generation owner of this company. That is correct. Um, my name is Kevin Manassi, and I'm the president and CEO of DataScan. Uh, my father started the company back in 1981. We were one of the first pharmacy software computer systems on the market. 
Um, other early ones uh, out there were RX-30, started by Warren Walker and his partners, and then his son Steve eventually took over before they sold uh, many years later. And uh, QS1 was an early early uh, company out there, uh, you know, from the Smith family, who uh, you know since has sold. Um, you know, we are one of the original few that that started back then. That's awesome. And how how did you come to involve Sarah and in all this? Sarah, maybe you should tell that story. How did you how did you get involved in pharmacy software? So I actually, um, for a number of years, was a data scan customer in a retail pharmacy that I had started working in when I was in high school finished school and went back to the pharmacy full time and started managing that store. And we happened to be data scan customers. And when I had my children and retail hours were no longer conducive for my family, I had seen that data scan was looking for a salesperson. So I had sent my resume in and was very surprised to get an email back from Kevin. Like, are you Sarah from Vanco? Like, do you know where you're applying for a job? And I was like, I absolutely know where I'm applying for a job. And he had brought me in and interviewed me here. And having no prior sales experience, said, I would love to hire you, but I'm going to start you in support. And I was game to come on and work in support and just kind of work my way up and started getting involved in sales. And then just over the past seven years, just kept taking on more, doing more, working with Kevin more, working with our customers more, and have been our vice president for a little over a year. I love how energetic you sound. You can totally tell how much you love your job, just, <laughs> just with the enthusiasm that you just described that. And not only that, but she's going to give birth in like three weeks and she still has the energy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Congratulations. Yay. Thank yeah, no, Sarah, that's 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 phenomenal. That's that's great. And so a question that I have, and this is really on behalf of listeners. I know Lauren, by the way, Lauren's a second generation business owner as well. She's a second generation owner of her pharmacy, but Lauren will know the answer to this question. But for everyone else, can you give us a, like a, a brief description of what exactly pharmacy management software is and, and who is data scan in this industry? Because this is, you know, this is kind of niche, but it's also pretty important in terms of, you know, what we're talking about today. Well, back back when we started, you know, pharmacy software was, was rare. I mean, most people back then uh, were either still doing handwritten labels and claims, or they were, um, they were, they were using typewriters. So, you know, when, when, when my father, you know, used to go out and knock on doors, a lot of people thought he was crazy when he would say, you know, it's time to computerize. Uh, in fact, our very, very first customer, uh, the the father-in-law said, "Hey, I'll do it. You know, let's let's give it a shot." And the very first system that we tried to, as a reseller to put out there, the guy hated it. And if, about two to four weeks later, my father ended up going in and giving the guy all his money back, taking the system, and realizing it just was not an easy product. Uh, eventually, ended up getting something different and building it out. But you know, today, in order for you to operate a pharmacy, you need pharmacy management software. It's, you know, to my knowledge, it's, it's, it's a requirement in all 50 states. Um, and and that, that software is going to do everything from, for the most bare bone basics of it, which is what originally was, you know, built off of, was just to be able to enter, you know, your, your, your patient data and be able to 
create a label. And, 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 and back then there was a lot of paper billing. Eventually they had these little boxes that they communicated with uh, through to be able to get claims through. And then of course today, now on the internet, you know, modern day, we send claims and get instant responses back from insurance companies or PBMs that are going to say, hey, you know, you've been paid the claim, here's the patient's copay, et cetera. But that's the that's the that's the most basic, basic functionality of it. Today, you know, pharmacy software, I mean, even inventory control is, is one of the most basic options. You know, once in a while you'll get somebody saying, hey, you guys, you know, handle e-prescribing. I mean, even up until a couple of years ago. And we were like, hey, you know, are there systems out there that don't? Um, you know, today pharmacy software really is the backbone of a pharmacy. It's if used properly can really, really change the entire game um, and, and take over a lot of the processes that traditionally were manual in nature and would require more staff. And so today, as we know, with reimbursements declining and, and it being tougher and tougher to be profitable the way it used to be, you have to employ the technology built into these products to be able to generate more profitability by not having as many people standing around doing all these jobs manually. So pharmacy software today really, when I say it's the backbone or it should be the backbone of the pharmacy, it really, it really needs to be. For anybody that's still using it just to generate labels and transmit claims, they're leaving a lot on the table, I can tell you that. And you guys are kind of an outlier, aren't you? Because you're independently owned, right? You're basically a small business, but the rest, well, not the rest, but many of your competitors are like, what, very, very large, right? You know, there's a, there's an old saying that's probably not PC these days, but you know the old saying, the last of the Mohicans, so to speak. <laughs> and we really are, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're on the last few that are still independently owned. Um, I laugh about this when I talk about it, but not in a, in, a, in a funny way, more in a frustrating way. You know, today, independent pharmacy is struggling and, and fighting against behemoths, you know. Uh, you know, people say to me who, who, who hear the business I'm in, one of the first things they say that are not from our industry, oh, wow, aren't you worried about the chains? And I laugh and I say, no. You know, we've had clients that, you know, they'll have a chain open up, you know, down the block and, and it doesn't affect them at all. I've actually seen people go and open a store near a chain and take chain business because the people like the service better, what the store had to offer, the pricing once they realize uh, that, you know, the big box mentality of, oh, you know, like we all think Costco, we think, you know, you buy in bulk, it's cheaper. Most people don't realize that your local independent pharmacy most times is going to be a lot cheaper on OTC items as well. And so it's not the chains, um, you know, that they're worried about, it's the PBMs. And, and so, but they are struggling. They are fighting against all of these, these different, you know, large corporations out there that are doing everything they can to put them out of business and steal what business they have. As an independent pharmacy that is, is you know, that you're built into your community and, you know, and many of them, many of my clients I see, you know, they get very involved in their community, whether it be sponsoring, you know, the local little league or getting involved in local fairs and events and, you know, being a part of the local groups on Facebook and things of that nature, offering discounts, doing things. I mean, one of my clients would bring Santa Claus in and the local radio station around Christmas time and do a big sale with his front end. The chains don't do that stuff. And so these people are working day and night and hoping that their community supports them. And I laugh about that because we feel the same way. Why would you, as an independent community-based business, 
not want to support other independently owned businesses versus going out and having your vendors all be comprised of these large corporations that you're just a number of. You're not a customer. They barely know your name. Yeah, your rep might know your name. And if your rep's there today, they could be gone tomorrow. And now it's a whole new relationship. Whereas there are smaller wholesalers out there on the market that can offer different unique products that I would encourage pharmacies to do business with. And we are one of definitely less than 10. Um, it's, it's been becoming harder and harder to track who's left, but somewhere I would say the five to 10 tops range of independently owned pharmacy software vendors on the market that we know our customers. We know their names. We know who they are. We know most of their personality. And so we work together in a way that is very similar to how they service their patients. Uh, this morning, I was at a meeting with Sarah and one of my programmers came in and it was one of my clients who his partner uh, has been a customer of data scan since 1984. Guy's got seven locations with us. They're all heavy hitting, busy. He does a lot of retail. One of his stores is like six, 7,000 square feet. He's got a closed door long-term care pharmacy. One of his partners was frustrated about a change in the software that was giving him a bit of a pain in the neck with the way his workflow operated historically. And I came up with a solution and I said, look, I know their volume and I understand that, you know, that because they do this a lot, it's going to, you know, be a, a, a thorn in their side. And it was a 10 minute change. I said, look, make the change, pack it and have somebody in support, give it to them. Now, you're never going to get that at the big guys. You're never going to get that out of these companies that are filled with red tape. To me, I equivocated to doing business with a big bank versus a little bank when you can call up and get someone on the phone and say, Hey, could you do me a favor? Could you help me out with this? You know, uh, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm running late. I need to be able to stop by and I need to pick this up. Can you have it ready for me? You're not calling, you know, some huge, tremendous, you know, nationwide bank and they're doing that for you. And, and it's the same thing here. You know, you, you get a level of service and personalization that you give to your patients. And I, I don't know why anyone would want to work with a corporation that's comprised of six or eight or 10,000 pharmacies because you're just a number. And I think Absolutely. it's important to point out that they're not sacrificing anything by working with these independent vendors, whether it be a software vendor or a wholesaler or a PSAO. If anything, they're only getting more from that relationship. They're getting better service you're getting equally as good if not better products that in a lot of cases can be a little bit more customized and tailored to some of the needs that you have that make your business unique and you're not paying anymore. So what is the downside is what we always say. You're not sacrificing. Oh, absolutely. And I really think that there's a lot of similarities between your side of the industry and the retail pharmacy side where there is that corporate behemoth that really is trying to prove that bigger is better and this is the way that everyone wants to be served where we on the community retail space know our customers' names. We know a lot of the things about them that really helps us provide that level of service that our customers want and we want to give them. And so I think that being able to find allies in this fight against the PBMs really helps because they try to you know, 
say that it's a PSAO's fault or it's a wholesaler's fault or it's, you know, a computer software company's fault, things like that. They're just trying to push it in the spotlight to deflect any attention away from them. And they know that of the 20,000 independent pharmacies across the country that every owner is an owner of an independent for a reason. They want to be able to serve their community, but they may be a better uh, boss than a staff pharmacist is what we have found out. A lot of our entrepreneurs really embrace that. So what would you say, Kevin, is really how we got to this place in the industry of the bigger is better mentality and really wanting us to fight against the PBMs and the chains? It's crazy because... I helped out around here when I was when I was younger, and then I've been the head of this company now for 14 years. But for the first few years I was here, I really didn't know the impact of PBMs until one day one of my clients called me and he was he was explaining to me what he needed in the software, and I didn't understand why. And then he started telling me about what the PBMs were doing to him. And I want to say, I can't remember the exact the exact reason. I want to say that part of it might have had to do with reimbursements at the time not matching up to what they were paid in the system. Back back many years ago, you know, my father used to call it the golden handshake. You know, you got an adjudicated claim. It said they were paying you X amount of dollars. And when you got that that you know reimbursement, you got that that check with the EOB, that's what you were paid. Then all of a sudden they started getting sneaky and, and hiding things in the contracts where basically if they didn't pay you at all on a paid claim or they they, they short paid you, they had an out. So if you weren't chasing them for the money that they promised to pay you at the adjudication level, you, you would lose that money. And for years, people were losing money because nobody was getting any kind of reconciliation done. And, and, and you know, and it, it kind of grew from there. And then, you know, next thing you know, you've got clawbacks with you know DIR fees, and then all of a sudden there's GDR fees. And so every year there's some kind of a new, you know, way that they're finding to to I'm sorry, screw you guys over because that's what they're doing. I mean, there's no excuse for them to be making billions and billions of dollars and compromising the majority of revenue for the overall corporation. Some of them merged with insurance companies and 75 plus percent of the revenue they're generating from the PBM, while only 25 percent of it could be allocated towards the insurance company itself, which is mind blowing that PBMs have now taken over and are larger than many of the insurance companies that they serve. You know, and so you look at that and you say, well, okay, well, we got to fight against it. How are we going to fight against it? What well, you should do it together, right? And then in the middle of all this happening, you know, you had a lot of these small wholesalers that were spread out across the United States. I mean, here in New York, you had Kinray. You know, uh, growing up, I remember I knew the name Kinray. There was a, there was a couple other ones I forget the names of now. They're all gone. They all sold, right? You know, people, large corporations, obviously saw that our industry, there's definitely a value there. You know, obviously it's healthcare. There's residual built into it. People are not gonna stop getting sick. They're not gonna stop needing medications. So now they come around, they knock on your door and they promise you all the money in the world to buy your business. And, you know, a lot of these people said, forget it, I'm out of here. If, if, if I'm not gonna be supported by my customers or I'm not gonna be supported by this one or that one, I'm just gonna sell and I'm gonna retire. And, and, and I've seen it a lot. And I'll be honest with you, I, I get approached all the time all the time. And I tell these people that the amount of money they'd have to pay me to leave is their, their investors would slaughter them if they paid me that much money. So don't waste my time. And some of them are quite persistent, I have to say. 
Um, it's gotten quieter with the way the economy is right now, but up until about a year or so ago, I would get a few emails a month. But I think that we, we were getting here because, you know, you're watching everybody sell around you and now it just becomes the norm. So now when you see that your pharmacy software vendor is owned by a multi-billion dollar private equity firm, and then five years later, they flip and sell it again to a new private equity firm, it, it, a, lot of, a lot of folks, I think it's just, it's just noise in the back of their head. They're like, okay, whatever. Like, you know, I, I'm busy here trying to run a profitable business. And I understand that. But when things start to go south for you and you end up waiting 10, 15 minutes on hold to get customer support on the phone, or you have to call back three times to get someone to address the issue that you reported. And then when you want to escalate something, you get some low level manager that makes promises that they may or may not follow through with. At some point, you have to stop being scared of change. And when you do look for change, why not look outside of what you're used to? Stop looking at these huge corporations and search out there for people that can give you the level of service you should get that you should that you expect that you want mm -hmm. oh yeah and sarah i love the fact that you have seen both sides of the coin working in retail and then now working for data scan so you're able to give your customers a really unique perspective and i feel like independent pharmacy owners and their staff really take the golden rule to the next level. They want to have the level of service that they know their customers expect from them, from their vendors. They know that Miss Smith, when she comes in and she's angry that the truck didn't arrive with the medication that she needs, that is not ABC's fault. That is not Cardinal's fault. That is now Dale South Lake Pharmacy's fault. Mm -hmm. So you know, that's who they're going to take it out on. So I totally understand what Kevin's saying that you want to make sure that your partner, your software vendor is going to answer the phone whenever you are unable to get a claim to uh, go through and print your label and get Miss Smith taken care of. So I, I think your perspective on this is really invaluable to your clients. I can't tell you how many times I'll be on a demo with someone and sometimes it comes up, you know, that I've been in retail, sometimes it doesn't. And I will always get asked, I feel like you worked in a pharmacy before. Are you a pharmacist? Are you a tech? Like, because there, there's just this kind of understanding. I feel like farm people in retail pharmacy, we kind of like speak the same language, right? And I tell people all the time, it's so funny, it doesn't matter if you have a crazy busy store in the middle of Manhattan, or if you have a retail pharmacy in the middle of Idaho in some rural area, the problems are the same. It, it, the patients, the frustrations, the, the funny things that happen in retail, it doesn't matter what part of the country. And so it's so relatable and it's so nice to be able to talk to these people. And I think that they can definitely get a sense that I understand. And I feel like we try and kind of bring that to our support team and, and always try and tell them, you know, put yourself in the pharmacist's shoes or in their staff's shoes, right? They're calling us, they're frustrated about something, but they have a patient that's standing right in front of them that's frustrated about something. You know, they need us like that patient needs them. So it kind of all trickles down. And I feel like we have such a good culture here in our support through training and just kind of, you know, like Kevin said, we're so involved in everything that goes on in all departments in data scan. So I think that we're able to 
kind of get at that level with our customers, which makes us and our support just be so much better than so many others out there because we do get it. We really, really understand what so many of these folks are dealing with and why they're frustrated. And I really think that a lot of owners rely on their pharmacy system to help them educate the patients. This is not just where the screen is only visible to the staff now. There's a way that you can print out claim data and you can show them what the PBM is taking from them or what what the rejection message is. And uh, again, share this with the legislators as well. And I think that having that power at the pharmacy level that most owners, you know, really relied on either a state association or a wonderful group like PUT to help them advocate. And so I think that having the resources that your system can provide for them to help break it down into an easy way of showing that's a loss on a prescription. Me as a business owner, I can't do that on the thousands of claims that I'm running every week. We have to do something in order to help this. Otherwise, this small business is closed and Miss Smith now has to travel 25 minutes one way in order to get her prescription from an in-network pharmacy. So I think that you guys have the tools and you're allowing that to be a resource in the advocacy and education piece that a lot of pharmacy owners are now getting involved in because they're sick and tired of being, as Kevin said, screwed over by the PPMs. Listen, I got to be honest with you. You know, I, I said this a long time ago. We wrote, we wrote, I think, a blog article on it and I started, you know, playing around with terminology, you know catchy phrases. And one of the things I said, and then of course, some of my competitors stole it because it happens to me all the time. I'm not tooting my own horn. Sarah can, Sarah can attest to this. But I said, we're stronger together. We're absolutely stronger together. And, you know, uh, sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll talk to our pharmacies and we'll say, you know, we want to do a blog piece about you. We want to talk about you know, what makes your pharmacy so successful? Because I know who my, my successful clients are. And I'll tell you right now, for people that say that pharmacy is dead and that you can't make money in it, I feel bad for them because maybe they chose a bad location or maybe something happened in their area geographically. But I can tell you that if you, if you look outside the box, like any good entrepreneur will, and I can tell you my first business out of college, I had for 10 years, I reinvented myself every six months. And this company, I reinvent myself constantly. I reinvent my marketing, my product. I, I, I look for problems that, that occur and, and, and say, you know what, we've got to change policy because we need to do things in a different way. So if you reinvent yourself and you change with the times and you look at you can service your community better, independent pharmacy can be very successful. Now, I'm not trying to say it's easy, but you know, getting data scanned where it was today wasn't easy either. You know, so I think that, you know, well, I'll ask these people, well, what makes you successful? You know, and sometimes they don't want to tell you because they feel like they're sharing the secret sauce. And I laugh about it and I say, it's not like you have another independent two minutes up the road that's going to steal all your ideas and take your customers. So you should want all the independents you know and then some to be successful where they are. Because if 20,000 today becomes 5,000 tomorrow, you can kiss independent pharmacy goodbye. Absolutely. So, like you said, the having a chain as a competitor, my, my dad's been in pharmacy for 50 years. 
he, we have one store that's right next to two chains, a grocery store chain and then a big box retailer. And he will take those any day of the week because he knows we can kick their butt on service any day. An independent pharmacy is going to be hungry for those clients and they're going to want to work just as hard as we are. So I totally understand that. You know, I think that sharing ideas and keeping each other, you know, giving each other ideas that that will help you be successful and stay around versus selling off to a chain is going to keep the numbers stronger. You know, today, if you take Walgreens and CVS and you put them together, they still don't have 20,000 stores combined. So independents still outnumber the two larger chains nationwide. But yet, they're still operating so independent of one another. And then you have organizations like PUT that, you know, should have a lot more members. You have organizations out there, you know, instead of having, you know, 300 organizations all fighting, you know, separately, bring them together, fight together, you know, line the halls of Congress, line the halls of your local legislature, fight it. I mean, I have to say, one of the things I have to tip my hat to in New York here, you have to see they load buses, buses full. And this is PISNY, Pharmaceutical Society in New York. Every so often, they load up a bunch of buses. Uh, I've actually sponsored uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, once or twice some of the things that they do because I love what they do. They put their white coats on and they go up to Albany and they fight and fight and fight. And I have to say, it's a testament to, to you know, the you know, reputation New Yorkers have to be loud and, and, and bold and, you know, sometimes annoying and in your face, but they go up there and they do it and they, they're fighting and they, they've advocated hard and they, they've seen some changes. Definitely oh my God. Definitely I'm so glad you brought that up. Sorry, sorry to jump on you, Kevin. I'm so glad you brought that up. Lauren and I have both been to Pisney events in Albany and they are not like anything you would ever see. I know when I was there, you had pharmacists in white coats. Like, think about a pharmacist, right? That mild-mannered person in the white jacket behind the pharmacy counter, kindly explaining how to take your medication and what not to do so you don't make yourself sick, right? But here they are. They're lining the halls, lining the steps. They've got these signs, and they are they are not going to be ignored. I mean, it was really something. And I think, Lauren, at your protest, didn't it seems to me like there was another group that tried to disrupt the Dis- protest there, and the pharmacists were just not going to have it? Yes, there was an environmental group there at the state of the state address that year in Albany. And it was amazing to see the PISNY members, the pharmacists come together and have one united voice and stand strong for independent pharmacies. It was amazing. They came from all over the state. I was so amazed and impressed that they were able to have one solid message and get legislators to understand that this is not business owners whining about losing money. This is about access to healthcare and how it's going to go away if there's not change. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, I mean, even growing up as a kid and traveling, going on vacation places, you know, when people heard you're from New York, you start to realize as you get older, like, there is this stigma of, you know, I mean, basically me, you know, I'm loud mouth, I'm opinionated, I don't hide my feelings, and, you know, I'm very forward. And I have to say, most of those people are, and a lot of those people that go to Albany are customers, many of them are lifelong clients of data scans, who I know very well. Uh, and once in a while, they'll reach out to us and say, hey, can you, you know, can you sponsor this or sponsor that? And, you know, I'm glad to. I, I, I'm very proud of what they're doing. 
I just wish we saw it more on a national level. I've been saying it for years. You know, so going back to saying, you know, well, I don't want to tell everybody all the secrets that make my business successful. Well, when all your friends, or, or not your friends, but when all your colleagues in the industry start to fail because you didn't want to tell them together collectively what is making your pharmacy more profitable and the ideas that you've had, the things that you've tried to do. Well, you're, when they go out of business, you're losing strength in numbers. You know, and right now, honestly, 20,000 is nothing to, 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 to complain about when you look at the overall picture uh, compared to some of these chains. But my fear is what happens one day if that number is 50% of what it is? And it's going to go in that direction if people don't work together. You know, you're not competing against one another. I mean, think about your independent pharmacies. How close is the nearest competitor that's independent? I'm sure they're not down the block. You know, that's very rare. It happens. I mean, listen, if you're in a, in a city, if you're in a New York City or Queens or whatever, okay, I get it. You know, you might have a competitor a block or so over. But they're not going to take the same ideas, implement them, and then steal your customer base. If you're being good to your patients, they're not leaving you because the guy down the road is doing what you're already doing. So it doesn't hurt to empower one another to be able to say, look, we're getting screwed on, on, on reimbursements from PBMs. And we're going to keep fighting. We're not going to give up on it. But where, what are the profit centers are there? How can we make money back into our pharmacy? Furthermore, advocating independently through all these organizations versus getting together 20,000 strong, which I know seems like a pipe dream, but come on. I mean, when you look at what, what we've accomplished in the last 50 years technology-wise, even the last 30 years technology-wise alone, you have to imagine anything is possible. If you can get people to work together, instead of saying, you know, we're going to only donate to this organization and that organization, but build up together and build up, I'm talking a seven-figure pot that renews every year with everybody donating together to fight, to get your own really good lobbyists, to get your own really good attorneys, amazing law firm behind you, to go and fight and fight and fight. And you know what? If somebody's going to retire from pharmacy, but they were an advocate their whole lives, you know, I mean, maybe they consider a position in the government to try and fight it. And we've had some folks like that. I forget his name, but he was, was a Buddy Carter. Buddy Carter from Georgia uh, was a pharmacist, pharmacy owner. And I've seen him advocate a lot when he was in, uh, I believe it was Congress, you know, for independent pharmacy. And I say, gosh, if we had a few more people like that, maybe we could push things in the right direction. Because it's clear to me when I listen to the government speak about the problems with healthcare, at the higher levels, I don't think they really get it because they've got, you know, the lobbying group for, for PBMs in their ear trying to convince them and doing a really, really, really rough, tough job at it that, no, PBMs are here to save you money. And that's what we do. And they don't really get it. So when they start talking about, you know, well, you know, the PBM shouldn't get the rebates. I'm sorry. So let's say you eliminate the rebates that go direct from the manufacturers to the PBMs. You don't think they have a whole crew of people looking for the, for, for, for the next way to burn you if that, come, if that money gets pulled out of their pockets? They're very creative. I think we've all seen that. So you need to fight for reform. They should not be able to reimburse you below your cost ever, ever. That is, that's not a slap in the face. The words that I would use to describe it a few, 
if it, if it wouldn't mess up your your podcast, I would. But it's you can imagine. I mean, I, I'm sure we all feel the same way. So it, you need to work together, not independent of one another, but together as a strong force to fight all of this. And in the end, you can win. But I guess if you want to throw the towel in, you know, I've seen people throw the towel in and say, screw this. And then they go retire in their 50s, realize they didn't have enough of a, uh, you know, a piggy bank aside, a retirement account aside for the long term. And some of these guys, you know, they're back out there working with other independents or chains. But if you've worked for yourself for all these years, do you really want to go work for someone else? I know I couldn't. I've worked for myself for over 20 some odd years now. So, Kevin, with all of that said, I think you're pointing to something really important about independent businesses working together to support each other. And I think you've also you know, made some good points about how we can be doing a better job. I think if I were in the shoes of a small business owner going up against a major mega corporation, and I know that they're not you know, going to go away anytime soon. I, I guess from your perspective, what, what should I be thinking about? What, I mean, you know, it's not, I remember the days, you know, when we used to talk to pharmacy owners and we were like talking them off the ledge and now we're doing a lot less of that because many of them are out there, but you know, there's still people out there who are just like, Oh my God, this, this does not look like it's going to get any better. So, you know, what, what are your thoughts about that? I think that if you took the time to go to school you got your bachelor's degree. Now I believe that pharmacy school is extended, if I'm not mistaken. So now to, to, to get your PharmD is even more school. So you took the time and the effort and, you know, you studied your rear end off and you invested all that money. Why would you think it's easier to throw the towel in and give up than fight it, number one, and become a part of something that's worthy for all the work you've done to get to where you are? And number two... Again, think outside the box. You say, okay, right now while I'm fighting this, you know, it's, it's going to take time for me to rebuild profits in the back end of my pharmacy. But where else can I make money to make up for that? You know, and so I always say that, you know, a pharmacy owner that spends five, six, God forbid, seven days a week standing behind that computer and typing out prescriptions, to me, that's a recipe for disaster. You know, I understand that you may want to work the pharmacy system and run your store and be hands-on from, you know, certain times of the week or whatever, but you also need to get out from behind that counter, interact with your patients, employ the technology, you know, have a staff you can count on, but also use the automation to do it so that you can look around and not only advocate and fight for the profession, but also find other ways to make, to bring more profitability into the business. I'm going to tell you, data scan in the last 20 or 25 years has had two price increases, two. If I look back in the 15 years that I'm aware, the last 15 years, the average customer is paying over the course of 15 years, I believe it's an extra $39 more a month. I'm talking from 15 years ago to today, that's it. And the reason behind that is because I believe that you guys have everybody's hands in your pockets, from PBMs and insurance companies to, you know, the audits, you got to worry about, you know, insurance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, inflation, you got to pay your employees more to keep them. We experience that here, of course. 
So I've always looked to say, how, what other ways can data scan generate more? Profits. We're always looking out there to see what revenue generating programs there are. And if we feel like the one that we're with isn't really doing well for us, we shop it. So we can look for ways to generate more profitability without having to just simply say, oh, raise the customer's prices. I mean, that's the easy, lazy way to do it. And, you know, I don't want to get that reputation if I'm raising my prices every few years that people feel like I'm no better than, than, than everyone else they do business with, trying to, you know, dig more and more out of their profitability. So we, we try not to. I spent the first 10, 11, 12 years, probably the first 12 years I was here, 11 years I was here, I, I, I spent most of my days, 10, 12 hours working and trying to look for ways to build a better company and generate more revenue from other streams versus just like I said, simply raising the prices. And I think that, you know, I've, I don't think, I know that I've seen pharmacy owners do this and be very successful in their trade. So why give up? Fight the fight, band together, and look for ways to generate profits outside of just prescription medications. That's really well said. Thank you. Really, really well said. And I, Lauren, I imagine a lot of what he said resonates with you as well, because that's so much the world that you're living in right now. Oh, absolutely. I think that the way that we can get stronger together, as you said, is just by being together and realizing that the other independents are not your common enemy. You, everyone will be able to move forward and really be stronger if we are able to all row the same direction, all have that one united message. And I think that sometimes owners are very nervous to change because they're afraid their staff may be resistant to this. And so, Sarah, I know that you being on that side previously in your previous life, can you speak a little bit about helping calm some of those nerves of prospective data scan clients and really how you guys are able to make sure that the staff is able to be engaged and really help out during that transitional time. Because the the last thing an owner wants to do is throw a wrench into an already hectic, stressful work environment. Absolutely. And that actually is probably one of the top reasons why people hesitate and stay with a vendor a lot longer than they probably should have or want to. Um, we've really kind of built out a very, very careful, meticulous process when we're converting and moving somebody over from a prior vendor. And part of that for us is really about communication and speaking with these pharmacies, really, really trying to understand what makes their pharmacy unique, what they're doing every day in their workflow, the things that they need, your must-haves. What do you have to be able to do every day, every week, every month? And walking into those pharmacies, not blind, you know, really, really having those conversations ahead of time, making sure that our trainers, our project managers can understand and put themselves, you know, in, in the shoes of those pharmacy owners and the staff. Um, aside from that, we spend a lot of time with them before we ever come into their pharmacies, working on training and making sure that they're familiarized with our system. And even during the sales process, before they even decide to move forward, I think just acknowledging and kind of explaining, like I've gone through a conversion myself, so I get it. 
And I do understand that there is such a fear of, I hate the system, I'm not happy with the vendor, but at least I can show up every single day and I know how to get my job done. Because the last thing that anybody wants on top of already being frustrated with so many other things is to feel like they're staring at the computer and they have no idea how to get a simple clean through, right? Because at the end of the day, at least you can do that. You can process your prescriptions, you can get the easy stuff done. So I do try and, and kind of explain to people that part is for us to worry about. You know, that's what we're good at. We're good at making sure you understand the system. We're good at making sure that we understand what you need from us. And we'll make a lot of recommendations for different things that we feel may improve upon some of the processes, some things that might enhance maybe some, you know, workflow issues, some bottlenecks that they deal with every single day. But I think for us, the number one thing is we do not try to go into somebody's store and tell them what to do. We want to talk with them and we want to understand what they like, what they don't, and we work together with them. So again, kind of keeping that whole mentality of let's work together. You know, I have to say that it always amazes me that Sarah doesn't volunteer this story, but when I first met Sarah in person, it was because the pharmacy that she worked for, who is still a customer of ours today, and I believe has been with us for an excess of 20 years, there, one of the partners started looking into an alternate software product uh, from one of the wholesalers who was out there, one of the big wholesalers out there that used to have a software system, and they were actively marketing into um, our clients across the United States. So they gave it a shot. They, they, you know, they, they gave it a chance and said, let's see what they can do for us. I think that a lot of people felt that they were going to get a better deal overall, especially, you know, being packaging a wholesaler, get an example of this, you know, huge corporation wholesaler and their software together. So Sarah was there when they switched to that company. And the reason I, how I met Sarah was because when they reached out and said they wanted to come back to us, they were curious about their hardware and whether they had to change any of it. And at the time, I was happy to get them back. And they're not far from the office. So I said, oh, you know what, I'll take a ride. I'll come out and see you guys in person. And this is many years ago. And I, and I did. And that's when I met Sarah. Uh, she was managing the store. She was kind of my point of contact there and helping deal with everything. But she herself experienced a conversion away and then back to our company. She's lived it. That's amazing. I love the fact that, Sarah, you're able to offer that perspective because I, like I said, there's a lot of owners, especially if they're a more traditional pharmacist, an old school owner like my dad, or if they're a newer pharmacist, like my sister has been in the game about 12 years, but she wants to make sure that our staff is happy because that is the touch point of service for your business. So you want to make sure that your staff is able to get whatever information that patient needs, whether it's a refill, whether it's a printout of all their medical expenses for the year, whatever it is, you're able to get that information quickly so that it's not tying up your whole system and you're not spending 30 minutes on one two minute issue. And so I, I think that no matter what range of experience your owners have, I think this is really helping appease some of those fears or questions that some owners may have about switching from one of the larger corporate groups to an independent partner in the field like data scan. 
Yeah, and, and you know, I want to reiterate, you know, what I said to Monique, you know, years ago, and is that to me, it's not just about me and my company, DataScan. It's about all the independent owners out there, you know. And I got to tell you, uh, here's the other thing too. Just you know, on the level of you know, working together, fighting together. I, I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier, but you know, for years I've been very friendly with and was very friendly with a lot of the owners and former owners of my com competitors. For example, uh, like I mentioned, RX30. RX30 was started by, started by Warren Wooker and a few guys. Uh, I think it was the early 90s. Steve came in and took over and ran the company for many, many years. Um, and, you know, when I came in and took over this company and bought it, I started reaching out to some of these folks and, and forging relationships. To this day, Steve and I will text each other once in a while. We send each other messages on, on social media. We laugh. Uh, he asks me how the industry is doing. Um, and, you know, they were a huge player. When they sold, they had like over 4,000 accounts. Um, you know, I, I'm very friendly with Chuck Welch, the head of SpeedScript, independently owned software vendor. Great guy, passionate about his customers. We'll go to the end of the earth for them. Heck, Sarah and I have photographs together with his sales team. Sarah and myself and his sales team, my competitor sales team, when we would go to some of these trade shows, we would see each other. We'd go out to dinner together, have dinner and drinks and hang out and have some laughs. I don't look at these people as my adversaries because we compete on a level playing field where we don't speak ill of one another. Uh, you know, Micro Merchants was a, a competitor of mine right up the, uh, the, the road here, about 30, 40 minutes up the road here, um, and independently family-owned. And unfortunately, their owner passed away uh, of, of, uh, of cancer. It was, you know, very sad. We found out about it uh, quite a bit after it happened. And, uh, you know, the family ended up having it. You know, they sold, they sold the business. But, you know, I had a lot of respect for them. You know, they, they started, again, family-owned from the ground up. Even Liberty, I'll give Liberty a shout out. Uh, you know, Jeremy Manchester, his father Galen, uh, you know, they own the company. I have spent many times standing in trade shows, talking with him, having laughs, talking about the industry. These are these are wonderful people that you know really care about their customers and that will go out of their way. Uh, I've had actually, I had a, I think an hour phone call with Hamal Desai, whose father started Best RX. They are second generation as well, pharmacy software vendor. I think that these are the types of companies you should be looking at because we're different. We're giving you something different. And there's no denying it because Sarah speaks to these people all the time. She hears from people. And one of the questions that we have that we, when we find out someone's looking to convert, we always want to know why. What makes you want to leave your existing software vendor? Because if somebody says, I'm tired of having bugs in my software. I always had trained Sarah from early on. Well, we say, hold on, tell me what, tell me about the bugs and the issues you're dealing with. Because if you're dealing with bugs here and there and they're being fixed in a timely fashion, that's the, that's the industry. You're not getting away from that. You can't because it moves too quickly. Every other day, we're finding out that there's some kind of regulation change. A PBM wants something, an audit occurred, and they want to, they change what they expect from you, or, you know, some state regulation, or something with, you know, reporting to the PNP. I mean, the list goes on and on. Never mind making the technology move in a direction so that we can automate more. You know, up until a little over a year ago, our, our text messaging was one way. You know, you can send a message out to remind people of prescriptions, you know, waiting for refill or, or ready for refill, prescriptions waiting in the pharmacy to be picked up, things of that nature. Today, we have, we have a two-way system. 
now where you know it's kind of like resi we use it for 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 reservations for for uh, restaurants we can say rx number so and so is available for uh, refill, would you like it refilled? And you can press one or two, and it's going to communicate back to the software and queue that, that, that prescription up if you want it to, to be done, as well as we even give them the opportunity if they want to turn it on and open it up to actually have conversations with their customers, with their patients. You know, so you've got the technology evolving every day. On top of that, you've got regulatory things you're trying to stay on top of, and nobody can wait for it. It's not like QuickBooks. I always laugh, you know, like into it. When they build a new QuickBooks version, you know, it might take them two years to build it, test it, and release it. We don't have that luxury in the pharmacy industry. You need to meet regulations immediately. You have to deal with the changes from everybody from NCPDP to SureScripts and, and, and the switches and everybody else. And so you're always adapting very quickly. So we always tell people, if you think that there's a product out there that's never going to have a bug, it doesn't exist. But a lot of the time, what Sarah's hearing is, you know, people unhappy with the level of support and service they're getting. Number and, one reason, probably out of, out of everything that tops the chart. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that to me says those are things that, you know, you know, why would you want to deal with that? I mean, because it's not getting any easier to run your pharmacy. So why would you want to make it more difficult on yourself? You know, and when it comes to the idea of staff and, and frustrations with staff, believe me, you know, I'm a business owner. I understand it. I, I, I say that, you know, running and building a good team today is tougher than ever. You know, when you look at technology, it's not like 20, 30 years ago when somebody kind of go find a new job and they had to really seek out there. So it's tougher to build and hold on to a good team. And I understand that, you know, you don't want your staff to get frustrated and say, you know what, forget this. But to give it a chance, the companies that really have the conversion process locked down, like us, you know, we, we like to say we send our dream team. And my guys that come in there, they're not your ordinary IT guys. They have great personalities. They keep the pharmacy laughing. They buy them lunch. They interact with them. They become a part of the pharmacy staff for a week. And the appraise that we get back, honestly, I tell these guys all the time, you're my dream team. Like, you know, they, they are phenomenal. And then we get such praise and happiness from these folks post-conversion. And they build a relationship with them. So now when they call in and they want support and one of these guys picks up, they say, oh, hey, how are you? Like, it's, it's like you built a friendship. And, and I'm sure that we're not the only ones doing that out there. I'm sure there's plenty of other companies that are independently on that, that have this process down. And so there's no reason to be to be nervous about it. Uh, it's not like the old days. You know, you're not going to get a bad data conversion and miss a bunch of data. That's a very careful process. You're not going to have somebody show up on site, convert your data, teach you how to use a system for four hours and leave. It's not like that. You both have given so much good advice that really I feel like what I should be asking you is where should the people listening to this podcast who want to know more about data scan or interact with either of you, where, where should they find you? How should they contact you? Well, they go to our website easily, datascanpharmacy.com. Very simple. Um, and everything you would need is right there from you know contact information and, and, and everything about your company. And, and I encourage everybody to, you know, again, support each other together, fight against the big PBMs and chains together as a group. 
you know, look for ways to make your pharmacies more profitable because we want you to stay around, not just for us. I don't need to service thousands of pharmacies to do well here, but I want you to stay around because I want it to be a profession that means something long term. And if you're sick and tired of being treated like a number, and you, you know, you look at your patients walking into your store every day, you know that they're there because they don't want to have to drop their script or go stand in line at CVS because of the level of service and uniqueness that your business gives them. If you're tired of dealing with that with, 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 with your own business, see some vendors out there that you can partner with that are independent, that know where you're coming from. And you know what, Kevin, it's perfect that you said that. I, I've been thinking as we've been having our conversation today about how it, how amazing it was to speak with you years ago when we first met and how great it's been talking with you before this podcast, you know, just everything you've said, everything that you and Sarah and your team stand for is such a match for what we do here at PUT. PUT is Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency. And I, I think it's just like the perfect opportunity to announce to everybody that DataScan is going to be our first ever podcast sponsor. And I just wanted to take a moment to, to thank you for that, but also just to say how incredibly perfect I think it is because your values are so aligned with your customers and they're so aligned with our values, which are aligned with our members. I think it's going to be a, a really good partnership. And I just wanted to thank you both for, for sponsoring us and for being a partner with us. Thank you very much. Listen, I, I've been following you guys from, from the moment you popped up years ago. Uh, we subscribe, we, we, you know, we, we are members, we subscribe and when the newsletters come out. I click through them. I like that it's everything I can find in one spot and, and see what's going on, you know, legislatively across the U.S. and, and with different, uh, you know, different states. Um, it's a resource that I personally read over and look at. I follow you guys on LinkedIn. And uh, I just, you know, I, I wish that, you know, we could get more and more folks to, to become members and donate and get involved because I think it's a profession worth fighting for. And like I said, I, I can't imagine going all the way through pharmacy school and getting as far as you have to throw the towel in and then just give in and do what? You're going to go work for a chain? That, that, I just can't imagine. And as, as, as somebody who's been a business owner for, for 23 or 24 years now, I, I can't imagine going and working for someone else. I love being able to put my ideas into my business and watch things change. And I don't want to have to sit around listening to somebody else. You know, not everyone's going to have to be a business owner, but once you are, and if you've gone into any kind of success, I think giving up is definitely very anti-entrepreneurial. And if you're willing to give up on this, then I think you're willing to give up on anything that any challenge may face you, especially I've heard guys tell me, well, maybe I won't be in pharmacy anymore. Well, if you give it up on pharmacy, do you think that, you know, you're looking for this golden opportunity where you're going to find a business that has no stress and the competition isn't always trying to squish you? Doesn't exist. Yeah. I, and as you're saying that, I'm just, that's so like conversations that Lauren and I have had and our president, Deborah, Deb Kevany. Lauren, any, any last words for you? I just want to say thank you, Kevin and Sarah, for being a voice in the industry that is trying to unite people and not just allow the independent pharmacy owners to struggle and try to find their own voices. I think that is part of some of the frustration that owners and some of our PUT members have mentioned is that sometimes you feel like you're on an island. You're trying to do as much as you can for your store and really 
survive, not just thrive and grow your business, but just survive some days. And the fact that there's industry partners who are willing to stand up and say, you know, the PBMs aren't really impacting your business per se as the software company, but you're still willing to stand at the front lines with us and say, you're hurting our business partners and we want to stand against you. And that's really encouraging for us to hear in the industry. So thank you. It infuriates me to see what they're doing because I can't imagine having to come to work every day and have somebody pay me below my cost to do something. I, 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 I can only imagine the anger I would hold inside of me, but I got to tell you, I know myself and my personality, I would use that anger and try and turn it into something positive. Sarah, you are uh, very, very close to a big day uh, coming up in your life. We just want to say thank you for spending some time with us today and, and that we're really wishing you a lot of just love and, and care uh, on the arrival of your new little one, which is less than a month away, right? Yeah, a couple of weeks, hopefully sooner. And I appreciate it. And I actually can't wait to be back and talk with you guys again. And hopefully that kind new word behind me. Well, we're definitely going to have you both back. This has been so inspiring. I I am leaving this conversation incredibly inspired and I have a pretty inspiring job. So I just want to, you know, especially thank you for that. And, and for everyone who's listening, just thank you for joining us. We love your feedback and your ideas. Wherever you find us, we, we're on the Pharmacy Podcast Network, but we also post our links on Twitter and Facebook and on our own website, wherever you find us. Uh, please leave us comments. Give us your feedback. We love your ideas. Our best ideas always come to us from our members and our partners. I will leave it at that. And Lauren, thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, everyone, this is the podcast. See you next month.